on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I think a lot of times people get bogged down with figuring out what is essential. So the easiest way to do that is if it doesn't produce revenue, at least in the beginning, it's not essential. Outsource it or get rid of it or don't worry about it. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Rodney Steele here on the King stage. My brother, how we doing? I'm well. How are you? You know, it's Wednesday, and uh, we were just talking about just the normal things that happen on Wednesday, like, you know, our wives leaving and leaving us hanging with pups and, and kids and stuff. Not really, but, uh, you know, we, we feel sometimes a little inadequate, you know, when we're like, wait a second, how do we run these big businesses yeah. and take care of all this stuff? And, and then, man, we just, it, it brings admiration for what our wives bring to the table. So anyway, Rodney, what kind of business do you have, brother? Or in this case, businesses? Sure. Yeah. So I have uh, two businesses. Uh, one is called Dinsmore Steel. And we, we are not are the nation's largest PO broker. So it's a little weird still saying that. And and the the other business we have, yeah, the other business I have is Valare, which is a cold email marketing for B2. Love it. Love it. So you're you're gonna add quite a bit of value here today. Obviously, our our audience is all business owners of all different sizes, really, at this point. And so I'm excited for both of those experiences that you are a king in can can come here today with some great content. But I loved, I loved how you, you said this before we hit the recording button and you kind of hinted at it a second ago when you said you're the largest, you know, PEO firm. It's like, well, I know where you came from now and the sure. listeners will get to know here in a second. But when you come from not being the top dog and, and then you become the top dog, it feels a little bit like, oh man, is this even real? Right. Is that kind of what you were hinting that's, at where it's like, that's it feels absolutely like, true. You, you know? nailed it. You nailed it. That's exactly so how it feels. We're going to get into some of that, some of that emotional, you know, you know, kind of like just almost wrestle, I'm sure that you, that you have, especially as a king, because when we step into those things, when things start to really click, you know, it's like almost like waiting for the shoe to drop, you know, it feels like because of where we came from. So I'm sure we'll get into that, but I want to know at this point, you've got two unbelievably successful companies. You're, you're, a, you're just killing it really. Why are you doing it? Why are you still doing it after all the years of just success and helping all these other business owners have success? What's the bigger picture for you? That's a great question. I, I would say the bigger picture is just continuing to help people. I, I always kind of feel, and I know you've said this numerous times, it's if I can do it, literally anyone can do it, right? Yeah. And I think that it's just a constant, you know, I get up every day and I'm like, how can I add more value? And, you know, my, my mom used to have a funny saying, and she was a businesswoman, and she used to say, if you want, if to get what you want, you have to help enough people get what they want. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's an incredible saying. And uh, your, your mom's a smart, smart gal. Thanks. Was it always like that or was it? Was there a transition for you of, you know, this realization that it's more about helping others get what they want, and then eventually it helps you get what you want? There, there really was. You know, in my in my prior life, I worked in finance, and um, you know, for lack of a better term, I think it's finance. But I always say that, that you know, finance is using money to make more money, and we were really tied to goals of making money. And then when I started my own companies, and just looking around, I realized, you know, that there's a whole other world. 
And I, I would say that's probably the transition is when I realized like I, I can, I have talents that I can use to help other people. Yeah. Yeah. The, the moments that we experience, you know, those first inklings of like, oh, this was like, I, I, wow. What I did for that person seemed so almost like not a bunch or not a whole lot. And it like sure. really impacted them. That marks us. And it, it does. almost becomes a little bit addicting. Would you agree? <laughs> it does. I agree with you. Kind of selfishly a little bit, like we're all ego driven a little bit. And even at the stage of success and we can kind of, you know, take off our crowns, you know, metaphorically and put them to the side and we can dissect as big business owners. But, sure, you know, metaphorically or our or, or ego is still there, you know, even though we put it aside, sure. it's still like we, we, we want to do the thing that fulfills us. And even if it's helping other people. So inside of this B2B kind of space for you helping people, is it helping them grow their business? Is it? the impact of what growing their business looks like for them. What's like another layer or two down for you of what you think about, like what keeps you up at night, like stressing sure. about an email campaign or a, you know, a new client at the PEO firm. Sure. Sure. So I, yeah, a couple of things I would say, I would say that uh, well, from the PEO side, right. We really help companies focus on growing rather than, you know, HR regulation or their health insurance or right. handbooks, you know, whatever it may be. And then from, you know, from, from, a, from an email marketing side, right. A lot of people will come to us and they'll say, you know, I have a great product or service. I have no idea how to tell people about it, right? And a lot of like, you know, most people, I should say, don't have the budgets for PR and maybe even AdWords and all these other things, you know? So when they come to us, a lot of times they're, they don't have a lot of clients. They don't have a lot of sales, you know? So it's, it's very rewarding to help them fill, you know, fill their pipeline, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Well, and for any business owner that's listening who, especially if they haven't hit a million bucks in sales yet, but even for the guys at five and 10 and 50, we all know, sure. especially if you're bigger, that fill in that pipeline is like one of the top things that's, and it has yeah. to be an obsession. Like there has to be someone or a team in the business dialed in to filling the pipeline always. Otherwise you have no yeah. business. So I mean, that's you're, right. you're literally bringing life to businesses all over the country. Right. No, it's, it's a, uh, you're, you nailed it. And it's funny because I meet a lot of people and they, they want to open a business and I'll say, well, what are you good at? Right. And they'll say, well, you know, it's a mirror out of things. And, and they'll say, well, you know, I'm good at accounting. And I'm like, well, then help people with accounting, you know? Right. So, but it's a, it's a more detailed than that. But, you know. but you're, it, it's true. And I think that there's even probably a lot of people listening right now who, you know, were a good accountant and now, now they want to help people with accounting or they were a good electrician and now they're sure. running electrical business. And it's like, there's obviously a difference between helping people with their books and then running a business, oh, it, which is what you just mentioned. Like, okay, so if I can, hire your PEO company to come in and take care of some of those things for me where I don't have to worry about it or hire a marketing company to send emails for me, then it's just less of the business world that I have to right. like concern myself with in essence so that I can focus on some of the other things that maybe I'm better at. And which is a huge principle in business that we talk about on the show all the time. Sure. And you just kind of eliminate some of those things kind of along the way, you know, for people to be able to focus in on, on what they're best at. I agree. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your road, your road to success. Like, how did you even start in business? You mentioned, you know, before the, before we hit the recording button, kind of humble beginnings, but give us a little bit of the snapshot of where you came from and, and how you got to where you are now. Sure. So I originally from North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina, and I graduated college and went to Chapel Hill, Carolina, nice. and went to work in finance, was recruited to work in finance. And that's what I went to school for is in finance. And I moved to New York, right? So picture this, right? I had a, I had a pathfinder at the time. So picture a pathfinder with a couple of trash bags of clothes and two or three suitcases, right? Coming to the yeah. big city. I had yeah. been before, but not at that, not at that scale. And believe it or not, I, I 
I flourished. And then in 2008, 2009, you know, I don't have to tell you the economy shifted. The whole world's yeah. tilted. And I found myself jobless. And, and I wouldn't say unemployable, but, you know, people really weren't looking for finance people and traders and things of that nature at the time. Right. And so, so yeah, so that's kind of how it all, you know, I, I can go into further detail if you want. I don't want yeah, to. Yeah. We want to, we want to know. So like you, you sure. fell into basically an unbelievable skill set that earned you a bunch of money that then like was gone. Right. That's Your right. skill set wasn't gone. Just right, where right. you can apply the skill set just vanished. And Literally. so. How, where did that drive you? What, what was your next move? Sure. So one of my friends called me up and said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, I'm watching bad reality TV. Yeah, uh, nothing. I really was. Sure. And nothing. And he said, well, my, my brother is trying to raise money for a company. And I said, well, okay, well, he needs some help. And long story short, I obviously was in finance. So they said, yeah, can you come over and help? Yeah. Whatever helped. And anyway, long story short, one of the conditions of them getting funded was they had to join a PO. Now, this is in 2008, 2009, right? I had no idea sure. what a PO was. Exactly. And I very quickly tell, found out what it was. Tell us what it is because there's oh, yeah. a listener out there right now that has no idea. Sure. So a PO is, a, is an acronym for professional employer organization, right? And uh, just really quick what it is. It's it basically a larger company that, that helps smaller companies get access to Fortune 500 benefits, world-class HR, payroll, HRIS, recruiting, basically retirement, all of those services, right? But what I found out is there was, there was at the time, there was about 600 of them. So I said, well, perhaps I should create a platform for them, right? And at the time I didn't really understand that business. I wasn't from insurance. I was from finance. So I took a job working for two POs. And then in 2010, I launched my Densmore Steel. Yeah. And one thing I will say is that the biggest skill set I can say that I developed in finance that really translated over to, to, to this business was Excel. Yeah. And, and so how though, why, like, why does that, why did that stick out to you as a skill sure. set of selling? I mean, I know the answer, but yeah. How, what does well, that, what does that translate in your brain? Sure. So one of the things I find is a lot of times, right. When I first got into this business is that a lot of it was just speculation. Right. And, and as you know, I, you know, I'm a bottom line kind of guy, right. To be successful. I think you have to be that, right. You have to call things out early and often. And you know, one of the things I found is that people just, there was no resource to figure out what, what, what's, what makes sense. Right. And then you would have, you know, uneducated people. When I say uneducated, I don't mean they didn't have degrees. They are not educated in, you know, how to figure this out and stuff. So. When I came in and started, you know, doing pivot tables <laughs> and, you know, and, and it just, I, I think one of the things that, that led me to be somewhat successful in this business, right? I say somewhat, cause I have, I'm still in it. Right. Yeah. Um, I love that. Is, is that I, I've only really focused on a handful of things where I find a lot of people focus on a, you know, just a ton of things that don't make sense. Yeah. And I think that's probably comes from the finance, you know, the background. Yeah. So your ability to dial in on a couple of things, do those things really, really well, and then be able to communicate them in a way or to sell sure. um, and be able to grow the business. So, you know, so, okay. So the listener right now is not in a PEO business. Maybe they're in a marketing business. I don't know. Maybe they're, they're in the trades. I don't know. Sure. How do they take what you just said and apply it to their business right now, where you're talking about being focused within a couple of areas? and being able to hone in on communication so that you can sure. actually sell your product. Sure. So the first one I would say is that the most important thing, right? And you noted earlier is your pipeline, right? I, I work with a lot of companies and, you know, specifically on the, on the market, email marketing side, they'll say, well, you know, we have 15 salespeople or 20 sales, whatever it is. Right. right. And it's, you know, they, they measure all of these metrics and all these metrics. And to me, the, the most important thing is who's calling and when are we talking to, right? right. And it doesn't matter your business. If you're a plumber for argument's sake, right? If right. people are calling you to come over and help with whatever's going on, it's not working. Right. And I think a lot of people get confused on that is that they say, well, I have a skill or a trade, whatever it may be. 
Right. When you're in business for yourself, you have to have two skills and two trades, whatever it is you do and the ability to convince people to give you money to do that for them. Right. That's right. That's right. And that's, that's, I think is, you know, even now, right. When I talk to my friends and they're like, well, we had our, you know, they, they have real jobs with, you know, real companies, big companies. And it's like, you know, I got in trouble last week because I didn't fill out Salesforce. Salesforce is irrelevant, right? Yeah. If you're producing, someone else can fill the paperwork out, right? Sure. And I think a lot of people get bogged down in, you know, like I had a friend one time who was, you know, he didn't make it in business, unfortunately, but he was trying to figure out how to do his taxes. I said, just hire an accountant, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I say that all the time, right? Like here's, here's what I always say, and it makes people laugh, is I say, if you get sued, right, God forbid, you're not going to go to law school to defend yourself, right? So a lot of things I see people waste time on, just they shouldn't waste time on. Like I, I, you know, I'm not a AdWords expert, but we'll hire one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, I mean, <clears throat> the, the simplicity of what you're saying is so right and true. It's hard for the listener and for sure. us along the way, because we can both think of times where oh, yeah. we've, we've known this, but yet we still struggle with like, mm, and whether it's like a conscious decision of like, I'm just going to do it myself or we just find ourselves doing our own taxes in this example, mm -hmm. rather than being able to think outside the box or having someone to be able to speak into our situation like you did for that guy and go, stop, stop. Right. Hire yeah. a CPA or <laughs> at least go down to H&R Block, something. Right. And, and, and so I guess the, the baseline of that is what you said, the value of your time. Because you value time, you don't want to waste it, and so I'm going to hire it away because I don't want to figure it out. And it's not like a... I'm, I'm above that. It's a, sure. like, actually I'm below that. I don't, I would waste time figuring out how to do that. So let me actually hire an expert. How, how That's does true. a small business owner, let's say a million or less, take that mentality because there's not a bunch of resource yet. Sure. But yet there's, there, there are opportunities for them to do this and they should be actively looking for ways to implement this. They can't do it all at once. Right. What would you say to that person? I would say the first thing that you can always focus on is, is finding things, for finding people, I should say, resources for things you're not good at. For example, when I first started my companies, I knew that I had to have an accountant, right? You say, well, that's crazy. People say, you have a finance degree. I have no idea how to use QuickBooks, right? Yep. I know how to use Excel. I can build you a spreadsheet. I can build you, you know, I could build you a, an amortization table for your mortgage, but I... Could I use right. QuickBooks possibly, but I'm not going to try to figure it out. So what I would say for the small business owner, and I learned a lot of this from my mom. My mom had, when I was growing up, my mom had hair salons. And, you know, she would hire someone to literally sit at the front. This is, you know, this was years ago, like 80s, 90s, but she would hire someone to just answer the phone, right? Yeah. And, you know, instead of her trying to do it or this for, and I saw from, from that, I was like, my mom has a really small business, you know, and, and she outsources these things because it's just not, it's just not worth your time. And it, it's, it's, it's actually, actually what you said, right? It's not that we're above it. I don't know how to do it, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's going to be yeah. cheaper to hire an accountant than to hire, you know, to get audited by the IRS and have to hire a forensic accountant and, and not, only knows who, who you would need, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's the way I look at it, right? Yeah. It's the bigger expense long-term that you're calculating where I think that the guy who, or the gal who's like in the moment and they're like, oh, I'll just do it myself. They're sure. calculating, you know, the, the 800 bucks a month, the CPA charges versus the, you know, well, I can just do it for myself and I can get on QuickBooks online. And, and, sure. and just for the, for the record here, for the listener, because I think it's amazing and hilarious that you don't know QuickBooks and neither do I. Now, sure. look, I've been in it. <clears throat> you know, we're smart enough to, like, I know Excel, but sure. I, like you, know that I'm capable. Right. I have purposefully kept myself away sure. so that I do not spend time there. Because if, if I do, then I do. And that means that 
something else is being robbed that that right. actually needs my attention. And so it's funny because we're, we're putting together right now, me and like, I don't know, five or six other folks in my mastermind, we're putting together like a business university of sorts. We're going to do like 200, 300 videos, like five minute videos on just everything in business. One of which, you know, a whole category is finance and, and your P and L and, and accounting and QuickBooks. And, and that's funny because on the QuickBooks column, I'm like, look, I can, I can talk about it, but uh, probably not the best one. (laughs) Nor do I want to be right. Right. I don't know. I don't, I don't. It's not, it's not like an ego thing where I need to like know every part of my business. I just need to like focus over here where I need to actually focus. I can hire that. You know, that's, that's it. And, and I would say this, right. Even for the, for the people that aren't, you know, where they want to be, um, start early, right. It's like a long time ago, I, I got some wise advice from my mom that she said, you know, hire slow fire quick. Right. And, and, you know, you're, you know, it's a struggle to do those things, but you know, it, it always comes down to there's a handful of things that if you do right every day, you'll, you'll have a pretty good life. Right. Yeah. And in business, yes. there's a handful of things you have to do every day. And if you nail those things, you'll, you're going to make money. It's just a byproduct. Exactly. One last little thing here. I want to get your thought sure. on because the, you know, the, especially in the smaller businesses, you know, you often hire somebody before the P and L says that you should. Right. And That's it's true. like this, like, Oh, like, oh, it would be so nice to give these things away, but like, there's no money here. Mm-hmm. And and here's what magically happens in my experience and several others that I've interviewed, but I want to know your opinion as well, is that you make that move and you hand that thing away. And as long as, as the entrepreneur, you do exactly what you just said, which is focus on the things that matter every day, which usually is filling your pipeline. Yes, that's right. <laughs> then that's right. it naturally takes care of itself because you were over here doing whatever the books, even the trade itself, you know, you name it, whatever. Sure. And then when you hand that away, it's like, okay, well, geez, I gave away all my money to have that done. I literally have nothing left. And so all I have to do now is just go get some more deals. And that sounds simple, but it actually forces you to go do it, which then magically then covers the person's salary that you just hired. Plus, plus, plus usually what's your thoughts on that? I thousand percent agree with you. When I first started, right. I, I think I told you this, I started, I started in this with $600. And, you know, believe it or not, I had a lot of con, you know, and, and I always say I've, I've been blessed, right. But I had a lot of connections and a lot of people, you know, finance and so forth, but uh, that didn't really help me out. Right. I went out and I just started doing it myself and I eventually hired an assistant and uh, I couldn't afford them and I figured out how to afford them. And, 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 and and you know, it, right. It's this, it's that it's almost like this. It's like, if you focus on this, filling the pipeline, everything else will take care of itself. Right. It's kind of the theory uh, where people will say, like, I want to start a business. In my mind, if you want to start a business, just find people that will pay you for whatever it is you do and yeah. deliver for it, right? Yeah. When I first started Innsmore Sewell, like, I just picked, picked a group of people and went after them. And, and I literally, you know, it's funny now, I'm a little bit older, you know, maybe some of the younger people. But I remember back in the day when you could use LinkedIn and you could send a message, then they would actually reply. Right. Um, it didn't automatically I, go to the in mail. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. It wasn't like a 45 page email, right. Where they're trying to sell you in the, in the email. And I would just literally sit and email people, you know, over and over and say, Hey, you know, we're connected. I'm not sure if this is something you're into. And I was doing that for three, four months for myself. And when I hired my assistant, I said, listen, I need you to do this. And, and the thing I would say too, right. I'm just, I don't want to belabor this, but if you're going to hire somebody, to, to help you, regardless of the size of your business, they should be your very first hires, someone that allows you the ability to focus only on revenue producing activities. That's what I call yeah. them. Yeah. Right. 
And that's it, right? Because the, no one's ever going to sell your business. Like someone said to me one time, you know, you have guys have a really good pitch for Densmore Steel. I said, I created it, right? I refined it over time. Yeah. And I can't imagine if you're selling a product or a service that anyone's going to be better at selling it than you are, at least in the beginning, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. It's the power, not only of, of your conviction as the owner, but then usually that translates when you're talking to somebody mm -hmm. of like extra care that they're going to get right. because it's you as opposed right. to you handing it off. And so there's a, there's a, <clears throat> now we're talking about like team building and, and like an experience and, and you've even sure. just recently, you know, before we hit the recording, but you were talking about the experience going through like our podcast experience, our podcast sure. funnel, if you will. And <clears throat> I can't be part of every single one of those. And, sure. and so, but yet you still want to create an experience. So you said two things there, which is if you're going to hire, make sure that you hire for the activities that allow you to go do revenue activities, which is great. And then the second piece, which was whether it's you personally doing it early or eventually having a team do it, the conviction and or the ability to sell is the skill set that's next, right? Like right. you have to be able to level up the pitch, refine it communication, going after who you're going after, you know, figuring out who that is, where do they sure. hang out? How do I message them? How do I get in touch with them? Maybe it's cold email. Like you guys, sure. there's a lot of different ways to do that, but you gave us the construct of like, right here, right. hire this, stay right here. That's, that's uh, how the business you know, grows. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's, I used to be really big into CrossFit, right? And, and it's great sport and I do it, but not as much. And yeah, you know, people used to sell the time. And again, I'm not, not advocating anyone should do it. I'm just saying it's, it's you know, if you like to work out, it's, it'll definitely put you to the ringer, but People say, why does this work? It's because you do the same things over and over that your body needs, right? And again, I'm not a trainer. I'm just saying, right? It, it's, yeah. If you consistently do, if you consistently brush your teeth two or three times a day, your teeth are going to be clean, right? And this, to me, that's just common sense stuff. And I think a lot of times people get bogged down with figuring out what is essential. So the easiest way to do that is if it doesn't produce revenue, at least in the beginning, it's, it's not essential. Outsource it or get rid of it or don't worry about it. Yeah, exactly. Well, and, and a lot of times to your point there is that we get, we get excited or we tinker with the thing, right? Sure. The platform, the product, the service, the coaching opportunity, like whatever it is that we're building and then selling, we get, mm -hmm. it's easy to go like, well, let me, let me go work on this, you know, right. but the calendar should be full of revenue generating activities. Right. And so I appreciate that. Let's go into some decisions that you've made good and sure. bad. I want to know of something that you look back on and you're like, okay, this one decision right here led to a bunch of success for us. What is that for you? Well, there's actually been two. Can I share two okay. with you? The, yeah, the first one was starting Dinsmore Steel. And then the second one was I brought on a partner in, well, I, I had a regional partner originally. And, uh, and then I brought on another partner after you left in 2017. And she's just been incredible. So decision-wise from that, what I would say is that I made a good decision to start the company because when I first started, there really was no one doing what I'm doing, right? Which is a little bit scary. <laughs> yeah, way scary. Uh, yeah. And the second one would be bringing on my, my current partner. She's, uh, she's amazing. Her name's Barbara. And uh, she's actually on vacation right now, but she's, she really has brought a, a level of, of, I guess I would say quality experience, whatnot to the business. Additional to that she's, she's almost as if she's sometimes mentoring me, right? Yeah. Along the way. Right. Cause I, yeah. you know, sometimes I, I'll just tell you, we lose, we lose sight of, you know, what's important, right? Sometimes. And, uh, and she's always kind of grounded me, but I would say the two, the two best decisions were starting the company one, taking a bet on myself. Right. Yeah. And the yeah. second one was surrounding myself with the right people. Yeah. And those two principles right there, you know, can't be, you know over exaggerated really because man i think every entrepreneur feels the same way about like man starting this business was you know even if they're smaller and they're still kind of like in the grind and like a little bit of pain sure. it's still probably in that best decision category 
And then what they probably don't have that you just described that you have is that next level of decision, which is putting the pieces in place, which include people, probably the biggest sure. piece, actually. Yeah. What did you what did you experience that made you realize I need? Oh, that's a great question. So when I first started the company, right, when I first started Dinsmore for Steel, I had a bunch of people. I call them bandwagon, like bandwagoners, right? They jumped on the bandwagon and, you know, we brought in a bunch of people. We raised some capital and they just no one was working. Right. Everyone's getting salaries and, and just no one was working. And I realized, you know, I, I'm selling constantly because that's what I've you know, focused my efforts on and everyone else is supporting my efforts. Right. When, right. you know, and, um, and I know Barbara for a while, she, we had worked together she worked at one of the companies that was a vendor of ours. And I said, okay. you know, if I ever get the chance to, to grab her, I would. And, uh, the chance came about and, you know, luckily, it was luckily I was able to get her over here and it's just. You know, it really, it really took it to the next level. Yeah, and so what I heard in that, tell me if I'm, I'm on or off on this, but as a, as a initial business owner, and I think we have probably all experiences is that we are the juice, right? Like that's right. We're the revenue, we're the face. You know, it's everything. Sure. But at some point, there has to be another level of support. It's not just the assistant type support. It has to be that's another right. high performing support. And maybe Barbara doesn't like the limelight or the face. Maybe she does. I don't know. But a lot, a lot of times sure. it's 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 opposite, right? You got the one that's like, yeah, it's hey, kind of be, opposite. I can be the talent, no big deal. I can be on the podcast, yeah. and then I got my team in the background going, "Hey, you just keep doing you. We'll take care of the rest." You know, that's that's um, Barbara, and 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 luckily for me, right? She, in addition to doing that, she also is a is an amazing sales saleswoman, salesperson. You know, which is which is rare, right? I always joke around and say that you know, getting her was like I can't say anymore. I say getting Tom Brady, right? But Tom's gone now. <laughs> you know, well, now so, we can like we that. can insert with with Patrick Mahomes because you know I'm a well, Patrick, Okay, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, listen, he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so no, 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 no argument there. But yeah, that's, that's awesome. kind of what it is. Yeah. Good. Okay. So what about a bad decision or choice? Something that you can look back on that you can help us stay clear. Sure. I would say two bad decisions. The first one was bringing on partners in the very beginning. Okay. Uh, and the second one was raising a capital. Okay. And here's what I'll say, right? The reason you want to bring on partners in the beginning is because everybody, everyone thinks the company's going to become a billion dollar company. Or, you know, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I mean, there's a lot of infighting on who's getting what and who's getting this. And there's nothing to give, right? You have 100% <laughs> zero, zero, right? Yeah. That's the first thing. And the second thing, or the, 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 the other thing I would say is that, you know, if you're going to raise capital or you find yourself in a business where you need capital and you raise it from the VCs or whoever it is, they're just going to take your company. Right. I have a friend of mine who raised, who had a company and he raised quite a bit of money. I helped him through the first couple of rounds and they, and eventually he kept churning through the money and burning through it. And he, they replaced it. They took his company from him. Yeah. And now the company's publicly traded and whatnot, you know, and believe me, he did all right. But I told him early on, I said, they're going to take your company from you. So one of the things I always say to people, like, like two things that I think really you know, insulate you from those things is if people want to give you money, instead of them, instead of you asking them to give you money, ask them to be your client. Right. Mm. And that's, you know, a lot of the VCs now use us for, for PO and whatnot. And they'll say, you know, well, you guys have a great business model. We should invest in you. I'm saying, I have a better idea. Why don't you, why don't you let us look at your portfolio companies and see if we can save you money and then we'll keep afloat and you'll have even more money. Right. 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 Yeah. It's, I guess, a, a lens of what's really important. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of those things that are tied to maybe some of those experiences with, with your buddy's company and, or just, sure. I think all of us, when we're first getting going, there's ego. Right. That's why you right. have in a situation where partners were fighting over nothing because right. there's ego <clears throat> and there's also ego in the top line. So if I, if I, you know, I guess do a, a, a raise a lot of money and we become a billion dollar company, then that like that sure. feeds my ego. And so 
there's a lot of uh, pressure, I think, around that, whether you're, whether we're talking to somebody right now who's thinking about raising money or not, it's still the idea of, well, I got to get to a million bucks or I got to get to 10 million bucks. It's like, well, what really is important, I think, is what the message that you're giving here. And sometimes it's not the raising the money or the top line necessarily. It's more of a maybe building something that's sustainable that can be right. the company that doesn't get taken from you, whether that's from a, an economy or from a VC. Would you agree with that? I thousand percent agree. You know, you absolutely know it. What about like a process that you have, like a decision making? Like you've you've obviously been very, very frank. Like this is like boom, boom, boom. Like this is just your style. I love it. Thanks. So when someone comes something comes across your desk, like how do you process a decision? Is it is it sure something that you have a four step process to or tell me <laughs> tell me your mindset? So, yeah. yeah. So that's a great question. A lot of things I tie back to just common sense, right? I'm a big common sense guy. Um, there's a guy that wrote the book, you know, the subtle, the subtle art of not you know, yep. uh, caring. Oh, I'll leave it at that. And uh, I kind of agree with what he said, right? If it's not, if it's not a, you know, yes, absolute yes, then it's a no. That's the first one. So a lot of times people ask me to do things and uh, it's, I don't, it's not a matter of I'm too busy or this or that. If I don't think I can add value, I'll just decline it. And the other thing is too, right? That I say is that if you're working with somebody and this comes up a lot with vendors and, you know, just people you're going to use outside of your business. And you know, this, I, a lot of times will say to myself, is this a win-win situation? Right. Right. If I'm not going to get something out of it and they're not going to get something out of it, then that's probably doesn't make sense. Right. The other thing I would say is that in the beginning, right. That would, you know, this didn't really happen to me because I don't, I'm not the end. I, I, I provide a product or a service, but I'm not the, the end provider. Right. With the PO stuff is a lot of times I find, and I, I'm very against this is people will give their friends discounts. If you have a business and I'm your friend, I'm not going to ask you for discount. Give it to someone who, who, who will come back. Right. Right. And I find a lot of times people will have businesses and whatnot, and they surrounded by people that just don't really matter and care about their company. Right. Yeah. So you want to shield yourself from those people. The other thing I would say, and this is the last one I'll touch on is take your time to make decisions, right? Yeah. If you're small and you think it's going to benefit your business, if you can't see a way to make revenue with it or a way to grow your brand, right. it's, it's not probably not worth it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Coming from a guy that's you know, we're moving fast. Both you and I are talking sure. fast. We're like, doom, 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 doom. Like we're both very much in the same vein there. We're like each other in that way. But sure, I hear a guy that's fast moving saying, hey, it's okay to slow down. Sure. Why is that valuable? So you can think, right? Again, right? I've, I've been doing a lot of yoga lately with my wife for the past three, four months. And, you know, in the very beginning, I would be, you know, in some, because I don't know position, but I've been in some position. I like, this is terrible. I'm going to die, right? <laughs> And it's like over time, right? If you just hold pose, you know, a couple of seconds, I, it seems like hours, but when you hold the pose, you know, the next day it's easier and it's easier. And I feel like we're in such a like decision, 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 right? Grow, like they always say, move fast. Always move fast and break things. I, I agree with that, but you don't want to do that when it comes to your bottom line, your your money, right? Your, your numbers. Yeah. yeah, that's good. There's a distinguishing fact there. I think that there's a you know, innovation. We're trying to like, you know, try new things and, and see sure. what works. Email marketing campaign, you know, all those things. But I loved how you basically, you're keeping your money like separate and you're saying, hey, like if it affects the bottom line in a deep way. Now, all of our decisions do, sure, especially in a business, but it's those bigger decisions that you're saying, like really make a difference. And those are the ones mm -hmm. like, hey, just it's a, hey, if it's, if it's a good choice, it'll be a good choice tomorrow. That's right. There's a lot of pressure. And even as it's funny too, because the way that we've discussed sales and how you even just broke down your decision-making process, it's like, I want to see how much I can add value. If I can't add value, I decline it. Sure. If, 
if there's a mutually, you know, you win, I win in this situation, then it's a good thing. You you gave several points there a few minutes ago. So if the listener wants to pause and go back and listen to the rest of them, they, they should. But that's how I even think of sales. It's like, sure, I get on a call, you know, and maybe I've got a guy who does, I don't know, 15 million. And he's like, hey, I want to I want to look at your. In fact, I, I had a guy that was over 50 million. Hey, I'm, I want to look at your oh. mastermind. I said, great, let's talk about it. Why do you want to join? And it was not in alignment with why we people like why people join. And so I right. said, I, I've enjoyed our conversation. I would love to spend some time with you. I don't think it's a right fit. He's right. like, the fact that you would even say that is really, really like, like good for you, you know? <laughs> right. Cause everyone's trying if to sell constantly. Fitting, like I'm going to get you to come in here and you're not going to add any value because you're looking for this one specific thing. And I'm looking for collaboration. Everybody else at the yeah. table is looking for collaboration. You're not right. Right. I got to find that, that a so, lot. It's yeah. not, it's not mutually benefiting. And so even in our sales process or how we make decisions, I think you've just given a lot of really, really keen value here. And I think the listener should, should maybe double back and take some notes. <laughs> I want to know, we're going to go into our speed round here. I'm going to, sure. not that we're not moving fast because we've been moving fast, but we're going to transition over to what I call the speed round. We're going to keep it moving fast. How about that? That sounds good. You talked numbers a second ago and, sure. and knowing them and almost like kind of like being precise, which I love. Thanks. You can only track one thing. Forever and ever, what would it be? What would that one thing be? Calls. Okay. What do you mean by that? So how many people are you talking to? How many calls do you have a day, right? One, one, you didn't ask me this, but I'll just touch on this. And I think this is vital. One of the things that I think have made us successful, and I would do this in any business, is build your channel. Here's what I mean, right? Yeah. Anyone that works at my companies, they don't prospect for business. The business comes in. And why I do this is because... When I used to work at companies and when I worked in finance, I used to see the, the banks held hostage by a big trader or a big guy, a girl, you know, a guy, guy, whatever, but a big right. time producer. And I see that in companies and I always say, right, like if we lost our entire sales team, it doesn't matter. It matters, but it, it doesn't matter to the fact that they're not prospecting. Right. So I always tell people, figure out how to make your funnel full. The other thing is too, is that you can attract the best salespeople in the world when you have the leads. Right. You're valuable, right? I find a lot of companies will hire people and pay them, you know, six figures a year and say, go get this business. I don't have to tell you closers don't prospect and prospect and, and people that prospect aren't closers. It's two completely different. It's like in a bullpen, right? You have the starting pitching and the closers. Mariano Rivera was an amazing pitcher, but you're not going to start him, right? Unless it's three innings. <laughs> right. And I think a lot of companies do that, right? They tie themselves to the sales team and to the salespeople and don't tie yourself when you start your company, build your funnels, build your sales process and then make it work and then hire the salespeople right. to, to, to take the orders and, and whatnot. Yeah, there's a lot of value here. I wanna, I wanna, I mean, with my extensive sales background, I got some other questions. I, I think that you can yep. add some value here. In that scenario, because I've, I've been the scenario where I was the closer, the mm -hmm. top in out of thousands, but yet still had to prospect to stay at that level sure. because yeah, leads were given, but not, not, yeah. not, not, not the good ones where I knew where they were type of thing. Sure. And so I hear you because in those moments as that person, it's not that I felt like I was above, but I felt like, man, mm -hmm. how much more efficient could I be if the, if, if they were there just stacked up for me and I could just close, close, close. We, the company would just make so much more money on me. Sure. I would make more money, but they would make more money. Absolutely. And so, and, and so that's in, in essence what you just described. So you've got mm -hmm. this like almost two arms of your sales process or your team where you've got kind of like a setters, closers or this, sure. you know, business development and an AE type of role. Okay, fine. How that's do you right. keep the guy who's closing, who's probably got an ego sure, from 
being a little bit like, you know, handout expectant of the best, right? Like you give me the best because I'm the closer because inevitably that's the funnel of that guy. Sure. Like unless he's just super humble and has some like moral value of like, you know, core values of like, you know, being, you know, raised in the Midwest or something. I don't know. He's, sure. he's, he's just going to look at it as like, I'm the guy and you owe me. So how do you, how do you keep your guys away from that mentality? No, that's a great question. The way we do it is that we provide all the leads, right? We provide the prospects. The, the reason for that is, and I'll just give you some quick math, right? Because I like math. If you have 10 salespeople, right? The, the general rule is that two of them are carrying the team, right? So the other eight are just right. not getting it done. Yep. So in my life, right, we only have, oh, right, right, on average, yeah. So, you know, in my, in my experience, we only have a handful of closers, maybe five at the, clump, at the company. Right. And the rest of the company's entire focus, you know, aside from like running the company is marketing, cold email, ads. We don't really get into telemarketing. I don't find that it works as well. I'm not saying it doesn't work. It doesn't work for us, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. But, but cold email. And, and the other thing I would say too, that we've been very successful in, and I would advise this, is that whatever avenue you're going to take, it's significantly easier to sell people. And I'll explain what I mean, that are using something similar to what you're doing. For example, it's easier for someone, or it's, it's more likely for someone to move to another PEO uh, that's with a PEO, right? Right. Times when you first start out, people are like, I'm going to, you know, you don't want to spend your entire time educating, right? Right, right. Don't buy anything, right? Yeah. And, and that's one of the things. But to answer your question, everyone that works here, they can bring in their own business and they can bring in their own lead, but that rarely happens because that's not their focus, right? Their focus right. is get on the call. And, and to your point, right? I just wanted to say this one last thing. Selling in my mind isn't convincing people to do things. It's finding people that need what you have and helping them get it, right? Yep. The best closers in the world, and I, again, right, I, nothing, nothing against us, the best closers in the world are merely talking to the people that need what they have and we're helping, yep. right? If you have to get on the phone and convince people to do things and this and that, either it's the wrong person or they're just going to cancel or you're just wasting your time, right? You know? Yep. Yeah, there's a layer, obviously, of helping them get out of their own way sometimes, which takes mm -hmm. communication and maybe persuasion, but Sure. I 100% agree with you where you're just knocking down the the wrong customer if um, if you got to wrangle them all the way down every single time you're talking to the wrong person. So, okay, you've given us just some incredible sales value here. Um from a from an angle of leads, basically because you're focused on the pipeline, because you're looking sure. at filling the pipeline and you control the leads, it actually the 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 reason that creates the 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 situation of setter closer and I and we've got these guys that are just focused on closing is the same almost like lever that you pull of like, hey, like, don't get too sassy because I control the leads also. So like, it's like your answer is the answer is, is kind of right. what I picked up. That's right. Yeah. I, I think that for every organization listening right now, they will, if they have salespeople now or don't, they will experience what we're talking about because there's different personalities that we mm -hmm. come across. And usually those bigger, a little bit more confident, a little bit more direct personalities are going to be the ones that, Hey, like I have no fear. I'm going to get on the phone. I'm going to freaking close and you're going to pay me. And right. there's, there's a lot of ego in that. And, and sure. to manage that is a whole nother skill set. Sure. That's right. So anyway, that's a whole nother podcast too, but let's keep, let's keep <laughs> moving here. I want to know what kind of book sure. or maybe resource that you would recommend for a, a business owner trying to grow. Right, can you give me three of them? Yeah, let's go. All right. So for our work week, changed my life, right? Tim Ferriss, amazing guy, amazing book. Um, and I would say the second book that that really, I don't even know if we would call it a book. It's more of like an almanac, so they call it, is uh, is Naval. Guy's amazing. He was, has amazing advice. He has a really good quote that a calm mind, a healthy body, and a, and a happy family can't be bald, right? It's just, it, the guy's just full of just sage wisdom. Proverbs, yeah. And, yeah. 
And then I would say the last one is oddly, is oddly enough, it's a, it's a really spammy sounding title, but it's amazing. But I read it years ago and it really helped me not so much with, it helped me with business, but it more helped me with like settling up my finances was uh, I will teach you to be rich by Ramit Sethi. Okay. Horrible title. He'll even say that, but the book, it basically tells you. Got like, you to read it. Yeah. It got me to read it. And, and the thing I'll tell you that I really grabbed out of that book was that it's the little things, right? Like yeah. setting up a Roth IRA or setting up a traditional IRA or whatever it is, right? You know, he's, he's funny in the book. He says, you know, you're not going to get rich and skipping the latte. <laughs> and he's right. Yeah. Especially as a business owner, there's a lot of people that, you know, call it the Dave Ramsey approach. Look, yeah. you have to be a good steward, right? So I'm not going to discount anything having to do with being a good steward. I'm a hundred percent fan. It's one of our core values is sure. even Kings are good stewards of all resources. But to your point, skipping the latte doesn't do a whole lot for the the marketing budget. And, right. and that's really what's going to grow, you know, your net worth in your, from your business is put money in marketing, grow the pipeline, sell mm -hmm. people on your service, and then take that money and do what you said, do the conservative things, which is the Roth or real that's estate right. or make those, make those decisions in the background that nobody knows you're really making. We talk about this in the group all the time, which is leveraging resources. Sometimes it's mm -hmm. time. Sometimes it's other types of resources, but it's that money. When you start to make some, most people just burn it on yeah. stupid stuff. And mm -hmm. the wealthy don't do that. They, they yeah. make decisions, whether you realize it or not, they're over here making decisions that are like 40-year decisions sure. around assets. And, and they don't really care about the flashy things that maybe get your attention. That's true. Yeah. I learned a valuable lesson in finance. If I could just show this one thing is over time and saying, you, know, you know, like these people say, well, I dissect the, you know, the, the top performing people in the world. One thing that I can tell you about from working in finance and, and meeting and knowing and dealing with really extremely wealthy people is they don't have any debt. And if they do, the debt is, is tied to a revenue producing, you know, a building or something like that. And the second thing I would say with the, with the wealthy. Yes, it's not necessarily that they do the right things, you know, in the spur of the moment. It's that they do the right things every single day, right? So good. And I think that's probably key too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, like you said earlier, we've, we've had a measure of success. We're not done yet, sure. but I can look back over the last 10 years and go, you know, kind of pop up your head from being busy and you're like, man, I, you know, four years ago when I bought that piece of real estate or, you know, this or that, or sure, man, like that was a, that was a really good choice. You know, it, it. It felt hard in the moment because like I took all my money in and reinvested it. Sure. But like, you know, four, five, 10, 15 years later, like, yeah, this is, I can see, I can see the compound effort that's, that's being put. Right. And I've just been over here busy building. Okay, fine. Like, let keep doing this. I'm going to keep just, you know, putting these stuff away because my kids, my grandkids and, and my community are sure. like, they're waiting on me, you know, so. All right, let's go to the next one. I want to know about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs. What do you think about it? It's necessary. You have to do it. Okay. Why? You have to. Because you don't know everything, right? Some of the best ideas I've had have been, come from other people. And, and this is the other thing I'd say too, right? Is that, you know, there was a picture of Elon Musk a while back on a, on a yacht. And they're, they're like, all oh, these people on the, he's surrounded by successful people because they're all in, you know, I'm just assuming they're all discussing, you know, things that, things that we're discussing, right? Right. So I think mastermind group is, it's a no brainer. You have to surround yourself by people that can take you to the next level or, or you're not going to get to the next level. Yeah, you won't on exactly. your own anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a hundred percent true. All right. I got a question for you and we'll, we're going to end the, end the show here, but <clears throat> my favorite question, I always pose it at the end. Okay. If you could whisper in the younger Rodney's ear, what would you say? It'll be all right. Okay. Tell us more. 
I have to say it'll be all right. I, everything's going to work out. No, I find, I find a lot of times, not so much now, I mean, still it's from time to time, but I was always very nervous about was this right or was that right? And I think you just have to trust the timing of your life and just, you know, I hate to say it cause it's not like a broken record, but just keep doing the same things over and over and over again. Right. And the other thing is too, right. I, I maybe I'm saying this too. Don't be afraid to lose, right? Don't be afraid to make a mistake. Yeah. Cause every mistake I've made, and, and I'll tell people this, right. When you work for yourself or you own a business and you make a mistake, that mistake quickly becomes a lesson, right? Yeah. I, I thought I could do AdWords, for example, in 2015 and I spent most, no, 2016, I spent $12,000 in a month and people were asking us, how do we book a trip to Tulum? <laughs> right? Which has nothing to do with our businesses, right? So my point is, is that that's a very valuable mistake, right? Yeah. But, but it worked out, you'll, you'll be okay. Right? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and I think if we were both honest that it wouldn't be just don't be afraid to make mistakes. It was go make some more. Sure. Yeah. I, I welcome the chance to make mistakes constantly, right? Because I know that this way didn't work, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I get to eliminate it from the possibilities and now I can, I can dial in even further on what does work. That's right. Which you is know. marketing, right? So, I mean, you're with, with a cold email, like you, you never, sure. you never stop something that's working, but you're always constantly trying new things. And, and the, when it doesn't work, you just get rid of it. And now, now you don't have to that's worry right. about it anymore. That's right. And, and one thing I'll, I'll just say this one last thing. Is that's the difference between us and the Fortune 500 companies, right? The Fortune 500 companies can't, I'm not saying that like, they, they out-resource us in a couple of ways, but they can't oh, turn yeah. on a dime. We can, right? Yeah. And that's, that's where our strength lies, right? And small businesses' strengths lie in the fact that we can do things that our bigger competitors, they just, they're not equipped to do. Because, and you know this, right? They have to have 20 different meetings to figure out who's in charge, right? Exactly. Yep. So, yeah, for even a decision to be presented, let alone made. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's like, uh, it's like trying to get a bill passed <laughs> yes. or, you know, whatever I can imagine, whatever government is, right. That's another podcast, but yeah, it's, it's very, it's a very, you know, laborious task. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Rodney, I want to give you just an opportunity here for the listener. So you've got two amazing opportunities where they can actually use your service. And so I want to just give you an opportunity to let them know how they can connect with you. So the sure. professional employer organization, you know, obviously you're providing lots of different services. You mentioned them earlier, but please mention them again. Why a sure. small business owner maybe needs that. And then of course, email marketing, kind of self-explanatory, but you help people fill their pipeline. So tell us how That's we can right. find you if we need either one of those. Sure. So you can visit us at dinsmoreshield.com and we will help you find the perfect PO. I would, I always describe it as it's like a kayak of PO, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You tell us what you need and we'll find it. And then for email marketing, I would say that, you know, not to plug myself, <laughs> but email marketing is the yeah. cheapest, cheapest way to, to reach your clients. Right. And just, it's a no brainer. And to reach us there, just go to Valari.com and we'll be happy to help you out. Yeah. Sounds good. Well, if it makes any difference for the listener, we, you and I will be chatting about some cold, cold email efforts that maybe you can align with us on a couple of things that we're sure. working on, but it's actually how, it's how we got connected. I cold emailed right. you. <laughs> and, and out of the thousands that I did, right. You were, you were very, here big. we are. Yeah. I, I, as I said earlier, I have no, I have no, I have no advice for you. Well, I, I don't believe that, but I'll, <laughs> I'll take it for now as a nice compliment. And then, and then we'll really dig in a little bit later and I'll get your, get your real answer. But Rodney, you have been incredible. Thank you for giving value here today. Blessings on you, your family, your business, Thank and your teams. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. 
what I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling Kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family and communities. And here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.